swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw Him, they besought Him that He would depart out of their coast. Let's pray. Father, I pray You'd help us tonight. Lord, I pray that those that are in attendance tonight would hear what thus saith the Word of God. Lord, what You have for their lives today. And and Lord, I ask that You would touch all those that are sick and afflicted here in the church. God, give them a strength and a renewal, we pray. God, bless the reading of Your Word, we ask. Amen. You may be seated. Are you sure... It's Jesus you want. You know, there, is a, there are many, many, and I'm going to use the term cliche statements in what I, you call our Christianity in the Christian circle. Things like living by faith. Of course, there's a famous song. Oh, just trust God, brother. Trust God. He'll, he'll see you through. Trust God. This is a good one. God does all things well. He'll never leave you. The Bible says He'll never leave you nor forsake you. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. Just wait on God. Just wait on Jesus. He'll show up. Just wait. You need to put your trust in Jesus. Whether we're talking about salvation or we're talking about a battle in our life. And I use the term cliche and I think you'll understand what I mean when I use that. And that is we use them so often... But I wonder how many times are actually followed through. How many times do we genuinely live by faith? How much of the time do we really trust God when we encourage our brother or sister in Christ to trust God? How how much do we really acknowledge the fact that God does do all things well? How much do we believe in our own heart and in our own life that He'll never leave us nor forsake us? The good and the bad. How well do we wait on God when we're desiring something of Him? How well do we put our trust in Jesus? And I really wonder so many times, we, we, we walk by somebody and say, well, I'm going to be praying for you. And that's it. That was the prayer, if a prayer. Because it never crosses your mind again to pray for that individual. You don't stop right then and just say a brief prayer to the Lord and say, God, would you touch that need and help and move and do that that only you can. But in a moment of not knowing what else to say, we blurt out a phrase and, you know, Jesus will see you through it and and I'm praying for you and I'll say a prayer for you just to never to believe it or follow through ourselves. And a lot of cliche statements. You know, I was, uh, and the church knows when the Lord... And our family decided that Carson belonged in heaven. And God made some decisions in our life that we'd never experienced before. And we had to navigate through that with His help. When folks would come and they would let you know they loved you and they were praying for you, it meant something. It really did. It it meant a lot when it came from the people that sit here with us. But can I express, and not in in any way of arrogance... The, the text and the prayers from people that I heard cuss the week before, they didn't carry as much weight. 
They, the, the, the text that would say hugs and prayers for you and your family and you're in our prayers, but just, just in, a, in a business deal in the week before, I heard them use language that wouldn't please the Lord. And I said, I don't know your prayers are going to get very far with the Lord. So I would, I would cling to the ones that I believed knew God. And it wasn't just the name. It was somebody that knew Jesus Christ and knew God and knew those things in their life and it was more than just a motion or a mechanical time in their life. I want you to follow me in a simple story tonight with this question. Are you sure it's Jesus that you want? Are you sure it's Jesus you want? Number one, I want to express to you tonight there's a simple deliverance. There's a simple deliverance. You notice here in the story, when Jesus exited the ship and had entered onto the coast of, of um, this country, this city, and He has arrived, He's met by two men that are possessed with the devil. And they stop Him. And the Bible says men didn't pass that way because of these men. And, uh, and we'll talk a little bit of the seriousness of what that was in a little bit. But they... There was a simple deliverance. When they met Jesus, God had a plan in place prior to them. I want you to look in verse number 30 with me if you would. And it said, And there was a good way off from them and heard of many swine feeding. And then in the next verse, um, said that the devil said, Suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. Prior to the devil's, recognizing and seeing the swine, the Word of God established the existence of the herd of swine. Now follow me if you will. That was a established, a plan established by God's Word. Before the devil's reference, if you're going to remove us from these men, let us go into the swine. The verse before that is the Word of God establishing the plan. It wasn't the devils that gave God the plan. It was God that laid the plan out that the devils could submit to. And how we should understand that all things have to come under the submission and the authority of God Almighty. And that it was a plan established by God's Word. But not only was it established, it's a plan that's executed by God's Word. When God gave the okay, they fled. We're going to talk about the, the, the execution word in a moment. But our deliverance today, our deliverance today has been established by God's Word and will be executed by our obedience to God's Word. Our deliverance has been established by God's Word. If we're going to be delivered from hell... There's not but one way that we're going to come to that. And when we decide to follow the execution of obedience to God's Word, then we can be saved and be heaven bound and miss hell one day. And the same principles apply for everything in the Christian life. If we want deliverance from the bondage of struggles and sickness and pain and and the battles that rage in the world and in our lives, our deliverance is going to come by following the plan that God has established in His Word. And it is a plan that follows Jesus. And so I ask you again, are you sure it's Jesus that you want? The plan must be executed by our obedience to God's Word. So I see, first of all, it's a simple deliverance. But secondly, there's a solid demand. There's a solid demand. And you might note this, but go means go. 
when God, when Jesus spoke, the devil said, if you're going to, uh, if you're going to remove us, and he said unto them, go. He said, if, saying, if thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And all Jesus had to do was say, go. You know why Jesus, all he had to say was go? Because he established the plan. He didn't have to debate what the plan was going to be. He had already predetermined the possibility of using those swine. And so the solid demand of go. So what does is, what is that solid demand do? It ought to be a challenge to our faith. It ought to be a challenge to our faith. Verse 32, notice, and when they were come out. Not, well, they, they had a hard time getting out of the, the, the possession of those two men. And, and they had a hard time catching the swine and, and finding a way to be possessed and to, to get into them. And they struggled the whole way. No, no. And when they were come out. All Jesus had to do was say, go. And when they heard a solid demand, you and I can be encouraged in our faith. And I ask you, what are we believing God for? Don't miss that they ran into Jesus first. They approached Jesus themselves. We're talking about men possessed of the devil. They approached Jesus. It wasn't some long, drawn-out theological discussion. It was a simple two-letter command, go. But it was solid. There wasn't any stuttering or misunderstanding or, well, did he mean go now or in a little bit? Or It was an immediate obedience and when God spoke, it was solid. You know, some of God's greatest miracles are the simplest in word. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. We're enjoying that miracle today. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Some of the greatest miracles that our Savior did was some of the most simplest in verbal expression. It wasn't a long chapter after chapter discussion. It was said in a few words and business was taken care of. And so our faith can be challenged to know that God's got this. Our faith can be challenged that even in the impossibilities, God's got this. Not only do I see a challenge for our faith, I see a courage for our future. I see a courage for our future. These two men that were tormented, they were no longer tormented. Two men that have been tormenting their lives, that people wouldn't even pass by and associate with them, wouldn't even come near them. And you know what that is. We all enjoy good fellowship. And those men that nobody would have anything to do with finally were free from their bondage. They had experienced a miracle. Not only had the demons been pulled out of their body, but they had been placed into some swine that were drove off a cliff basically and died. Now in the encounter that Mark writes for this same story, it tells that there's about 2,000 swine. 2,000. We're talking about two men, 2,000 swine, ran violently down the hill. The term legion, reference, numbers of men at different periods, from three to 5,000. 
from three to 5,000. So we see from the Word of God that's used and the, the, the vocabulary that God chose to describe this, we see, we see that there was a lot of the demons possessing just two men. If it was necessary for 2,000 swine to be in place, to give them a place to go, these men were tormented. They were tormented. You and I can have courage for our future because those men had their future just started. We can gain courage. We can find courage for our future that things that seem impossible now are not impossible with God. That the very thing that you and I desire in our personal life and relationship with Jesus is a possibility in the hands of God. He says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we can find courage for our future. Not only do I have see a simple deliverance and a solid demand, and this is where I want the truth tonight Are you sure it's Jesus you really want? I see a surprising departure. A surprising departure. We know the story. The swine ran off the cliff. We don't know how many people were there to feed the swine. But I imagine it was a good many if there was 2,000 or so. They saw all of this that had taken place. And so when immediately... and. You, and, you would have done the same. I would have done the same if a herd of pigs took off down the cliff and dove into the water and 2,000 of them all did the same thing. We would be a little interested and intrigued to know what in the world is going on. And they ran back to the town. Can't you imagine? They were standing out there and they said, you know, we never see anything cool. Our life's just feeding the pigs. Nothing fun. Just sit out here with the swine and all of a sudden that day they saw something nobody's going to believe. And so they ran back into the town and they're telling everything. They're telling everybody. And so I see there's people reporting. Those people ran back to the town to report that somebody was in the coast over there had just come off a ship and had something going on. He said the word go and all of a sudden our pigs were possessed and they're running down the cliff a steep place and they're diving into the water. And can't you just see all the town people? What would you, what would you think if somebody approached you with a story like that? That'd be the old-time boy who cried wolf, wouldn't it? And but you would, you would want to review. So not only do I see people reporting, there was people reviewing. They said, "We need to go out." And I want you to notice the terminology. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. They were coming out to review what had been reported. So there was people reporting. Well, but there's people reviewing. They came out to meet this man called Jesus. But then the sad part is next. There's a people regressing. After the reports, and now they've come to review it, now all of a sudden there's an unusual and really unexpected regression. When they saw Jesus, they immediately began to pressure him to leave their coast. Maybe they weren't ready for the answer to those possessed men. 
Maybe they had grown complacent in their living out of fear of that area because of those two men. And now that was... Maybe they were, were, didn't comprehend what man could possibly put himself so close to the possessed. What manner of man would come where no one else would want to be, face these men, and address their need. Maybe they weren't sure how to take Jesus. But let's look, look at the, the progression here in the Word of God. First of all, once you know they heard. They heard. A man had shown up by ship and now the possessed of the devil was better. They had heard about Jesus. Now I want you to know this was not their first hearing of Jesus. They had heard of Jesus before He ever showed up. Let me, let me explain there. Matthew, look at chapter 8, verse 29. And behold, they cried out saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Even the very men that were possessed on the coast there had heard of some man named Jesus, the Son of God. Now whether word had traveled from the other uh, coast and over the ship and that people were talking about this man that was doing miracles, they had heard about a man that was changing people's lives. And they had heard about a man that was changing, turning the world upside down one miracle at a time. Somewhere they had heard about this man. So not only did they hear, they saw. They came out. They were coming to meet Jesus. And when they saw Him, perhaps when they laid eyes on Him, they connected everything and said, Oh, that's the man that's been healing. Hey, that's the man that's not afraid to touch the unclean. That's the man that eats with sinners. That's the man that calms the storms. That's the man that everybody's raving about. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. That's the man that's going through and stirring up a ruckus everywhere and ruffling everybody's comfort zone. And they connected. Uh-oh. I don't know that it's him we want. They went. They saw. No matter what they thought, though, no matter what crossed their mind, they didn't want him in their coast. They began to pressure him to leave. And I want to say, Jesus left. Jesus does not desire to be an intruder in our lives. Jesus does not desire to force on you anything that you don't desire yourself. And he calmly went to the ship and left. Now may I say this tonight, that if hearing Jesus isn't enough for you to trust Him, seeing Him will not make the difference. These people... They had heard about them, but they had never believed on what they heard. So when they saw them, nothing else was going to be different. And you and I tonight in our life of faith, and when the Bible tells us, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. They had heard, but had not addressed what they heard. So when they saw, it meant nothing to them. And so until we believe in what we have heard, Seeing a miracle and seeing the God of miracles is not going to make the difference in our lives. Thirdly, they heard, they saw, 
but they never met. They never met. Notice. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. They didn't even get the opportunity to go and meet Jesus. They went out with the intentions thinking they wanted to meet Jesus. But as soon as they saw him, they asked him to leave. I'm sorry, but that's not a proper meeting. You don't walk up to somebody that you're trying to befriend and say, Oh, you're, yeah, bye. Can you leave now? If you're planning on having a meeting, you're planning on introducing yourself and befriending somebody, it's a little more uh, uh, appropriate when you say, Hey, I'm so-and-so. It's good to meet you. And uh, you got a minute to sit down. You don't say, Oh, that's your name. I'll see you. It was perhaps they feared the awkwardness that would come from meeting Jesus. Perhaps they said, well, what will I say? What will I say to a man that does all this? Why, why did they decide when they saw Jesus to push him away? Perhaps it was the awkward, awkwardness. Perhaps they feared the accountability that would come. The awkwardness of what will people think. Perhaps they feared the accountability. Well, if we accept him for who he is, they thought, what will he expect from me? I wonder if that doesn't imprison a lot of God's people. When, when we get the opportunity and we want to have what Jesus has to offer. But the moment Jesus touches something in our life, the accountability scares us from meeting Jesus Christ and our life being changed forever. The accountability that because I'm getting to know Jesus and because I'm meeting Jesus and because I'm trying my best to draw nine to Him and Him draw nine to me, what accountability am I about to accept? Perhaps they were afraid of the accountability. But I would say this is probably one of the greatest. Perhaps they feared the association. What would people think if I hang out with someone that has done all these impossible things? What would people think if I hang out with a man that, that has done the impossible? That has encountered the, the crippled and has not been afraid to address the sin in people's lives and to touch their infirmities and their sicknesses and their physical ailments? What would people think when I believe in somebody that can do the impossible? What will somebody think about me? Will they think I'm crazy? A holy roller? A Bible thumper? What would they think they feared? The association. The thoughts would flood their mind and say, what would happen if he turned out to be a fake and all this has been put on for show? And they're scared of the association with Jesus because of what others may think. What will I do if someone else decides not to be around me because I have chosen Jesus? I believe many that day, if you could ask them, I'm sure the awkwardness and the accountability being known as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, being known as somebody that believes by faith. Those cliche statements. I'm not talking about it, but putting on display a life that truly lives by faith. Putting on display a life that truly trusts Jesus for everything and every need in our lives. The association. 
John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Oh, if we would grasp the word of God. He warned us. I think so many get surprised when they decide to associate with Jesus and Christianity. Perhaps even fundamentalism and independent. And, and they, they associate with that. And all of a sudden they feel a little shunned. Well, I wasn't expecting my family to turn on me. I wasn't expecting my friends to turn on me. I wasn't expecting people not to like me anymore and not to want to be around me. I wasn't expecting that the conviction of God would be on my life and would affect those that were of the world. If your family and your friends are of the world, God said they're going to hate you. It's the way God ordered it. And He gave you a fair warning. So we're surprised. It is that surprise departure where so many Christians, I feel, we're missing. We act and we talk. I want Jesus. I want what He has to offer. But somehow, when God finally moves, it's amazing, we forget the God that we wanted. I, I find it amazing. We pray and we ask and we beg. God, I want this. I want something from you. Something that only He can give. And when He finally gives it, we regress in our service to Him. We slack in our service. We play in our prayer. We tame our thanksgiving and we falter in our faith. We throw it all aside. The very blessing, the very answer, the very thing that turns us from Jesus. And so my question tonight, are you sure it's Jesus that you want? The answer to all of that, to a slack of service and, and playing in prayer and a, a taming in our thanksgiving and a faltering in our faith, the answer and the solution is meeting Jesus. It's meeting Jesus more than just the name Jesus. More than knowing that He's the Son of God, but knowing the Son of God. Knowing what it is for Him to speak to your heart, to speak to your life. Knowing what it is to be saved and to be born again. That may be the problem with a lot of Christianity today. There may be some unbirthed, unnatural Christians trying to play the part. And they're missing the solution of meeting Jesus. Oh, we see evidence around us. We see the hand of God like you see the wind blow and you know that there's a wind. the leaves are, are moving so you know there's a wind. And you see somebody else get saved. And you see God anointing the man of God as he preaches. And you see a Sunday school teacher break and weep as God moves in their heart. But you don't know that experience because you've never met Jesus. And you're missing the greatest meeting you'll ever have. <clears throat> when you meet someone, you introduce yourself. You begin asking questions to get to know them. You spend time with them. This idea of meet, the, 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 the definition is to join. It's to unite in company. To unite in company. May I say this in, in, in closing? Meeting starts with a mediocre encounter. Now please hear me. Meeting starts with a mediocre encounter. You think about any relationship you have in your life today... At some point, there was a mediocre encounter. Haphazard, maybe, but it wasn't anything spectacular. You bumped in and realized you drove the same kind of car and you got to talking and realized that, you know, you both knew somebody along the way, swapped phone numbers, and the relationship grew. A, me a mediocre encounter. It's unexpected on your end, but may I say it's unrivaled on God's end. None can compare 
See, when we hide our mediocre encounters of salvation, if you will, when God showed up that Sunday that it was our time to meet Jesus, that mediocre encounter, when we weren't expecting it, when we weren't looking for Jesus to show up, it may have been unexpected for us, but it's unrivaled with the Savior. No other meeting will ever compare to that meeting. And so we see a mediocre encounter, but then may I say a meeting is strengthened is strengthened with a more serious engagement. There's a me- it starts with a mediocre encounter. It's strengthened with a more serious engagement. If you want to be friends with somebody, and, and you, you, when, when you were courting or dating, when you step into the realm of engagement, it's more serious. A more serious engagement. You're, you're, you're saying, I'm ready to claim you as mine. I want a serious relationship. <coughs> it's no longer just simple lovey-dovey by this and Valentine's special. It is a serious commitment. And may I say, if we are to strengthen our relationship, we've got to have meetings with the Savior with a more serious engagement. You know, you can't help but want to be around Jesus. You can't help but want to more of Him, to read more about Him, to spend more time in His Word because you want a serious engagement. But then may I say a meeting is sealed with a most sincere encompassment. That word encompassment is the idea of engulfing. It's taking in everything around, if you will. And what I'm saying is that when we meet with Jesus, while it may have started as a mediocre encounter, and it may have grown stronger as we got more deliberate and more serious in our engagement and in our relationship, but it is sealed when nothing else will do but Jesus Christ. Our meeting Jesus is sealed when we say nothing else but Jesus. Nothing else but the Lamb of God. Nothing else but the King of Kings. And nothing else but the Lord of Lords will do Jesus. I wonder how many has sat in a church, a service like this and said, I know God wants to save me, but I just can't meet Him today. What will people think if I associate today? What if I walk the aisle today? What will people think? And I wonder how many of God's people, born again, God has nudged and said, spend time with me. Spend time with me. Spend time with me. And can I tell you, the Word of God says, draw nine to me and I will draw nine to you. It's starting on our end to draw nine. I wonder how many of God says, hey, will you draw nine? Will you draw nine so I can keep my word? Will you spend time with me so I can keep my word and come and spend time with you? And God's own people says, I just don't have time. I can't meet with you today. I ask you, are you sure It's Jesus that you want.